In a world where the definition of marriage seems to be constantly changing, it's easy to get confused about what Yahuwah desires for this sacred covenant. According to the textbook definition, marriage is simply a legally recognized union between two people in a personal relationship. But what does that really mean? From a biblical perspective, marriage is much more than just a legal contract. It is a God-ordained covenant between a man and a woman designed to reflect the profound love and commitment between Christ and His Church. This lifelong, sexually exclusive relationship brings forth children and creates a family, which is the foundational unit of society and the stewardship of the earth. As we see in Genesis 1, verse 28, we are to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. So what does it mean to have a marriage based on Yahuwah's principles? Join us as we dive deeper into what marriage based on Yahuwah's principles truly means in today's world. Whether you're married, engaged, or simply curious about what God desires for your relationships, this episode is for you. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's explore the beauty and complexity of marriage through the lens of Scripture. Hello and welcome to the 613 Marriage Podcast, where we discuss all things related to marriage from a biblical perspective. I'm your host, Rob, and with me is my co-host, Megan. And in each episode, we explore the joy and challenges of marriage and offer practical advice and insights to help you build a strong and healthy marriage that honors Yahuwah. So whether you're driving in your car, doing household chores, or just taking a break, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us for another episode of the 613 Marriage Podcast. In today's episode, we are going to talk about the foundation of a Yahuwah-guided marriage and how it can bring happiness and fulfillment to your relationship. We will be discussing the importance of love, communication, and intimacy in a marriage and how you can cultivate these qualities in your own relationship. There is much to be said about a Yahuwah-guided marriage, but in today's episodes, communication, intimacy, and the importance of love is what we shall be discussing about. When it comes to marriage, it is crucial that we understand what love truly means. A Yahuwah-guided marriage is built on a foundation of love and mutual respect. And while love can be a feeling, it is also a choice that we make every day. It is important to make a conscious effort to show love to your spouse even when it's hard. Here's what the Bible says about men loving their wives. Let's take a look at Ephesians 5.25. Okay, Ephesians 5, verse 25. Men, love your women, even as Mashiach also loved the called-out assembly and gave himself for it. Now, let's go ahead and read 28 to verse 29. Ephesians 5, verse 28 and 29. So ought men to love their women as their own bodies. He that loves his woman loves himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it even as Yahuwah, the called out assembly. So as you can see, we as men are commanded to love our women. And in order to have strong marriages, we need strong men. Men who are leaders, caring, loving, protectors, providers, and most of all, Yahuwah fearing. So let's see what Yahusha says about marriage. 
we will look at Mark 10 from verses 1 through 9, but we only read verses 6 through 9. We encourage you to pull up your Bible and read the following verses. Mark 10, verse 6. But from the beginning of the creation, Elohim made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his woman, and they too shall be one flesh. So they then are no more two, but one flesh. What therefore Elohim has joined together, let not man put asunder. An important point to take from these verses is that you are no longer two, but one flesh. So in all instances, you need to think of your spouse as yourself because you are one person. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am become as sounding brass. Or a tinkling symbol. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love envies not. Love does not vaunt itself. It's not puffed up. Does not behave itself unseemly. Seeks not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinks no evil. Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Now, while Paul might not have been talking about the love in marriage, but loving your neighbors in general and loving yourself and everybody around you, you can take this and apply it to your marriage. But just look at those characters described about love by Paul. You can put those in your marriage and this will help you to grow spiritually, loving Yah and loving your family. As a man, I'm speaking. For women, do the same. Take these qualities of love and apply them in your marriage and you'll see how your marriage changes. Now, love is not the only thing that makes a marriage tick or happy. And there are many challenges in marriages. It's not always smooth sailing. There are so many things that happen in and in between the marriage. You go through phases from honeymoon to rock bottom. But let's see how we can grow in our faith and also in our marriages. And the key thing to successful marriage, I believe, besides putting Yahuwah as number one in your marriage, the next key thing is communication. I'll have my wife talk about this because she's better at communicating than I am. Another important aspect of a Yahuwah-guided marriage is communication. In Ephesians 4.29, the Bible says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Communication is key in any relationship but it's especially important in marriage. When we communicate openly and honestly with your spouse, we build trust and create a strong foundation for our relationship. But it's not just about talking. It's about listening too. Take the time to truly listen to your spouse and understand their perspective. 
Another verse we'll be looking at is Ephesians 4, verse 32. Ephesians 4, verse 32 says, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Elohim, for Mashiach's sake, has forgiven you. In a Yahuwah-guided marriage, it's also important to understand that the man is the head of the household and has the final say in making decisions. So that does not mean that women are meant to be quiet at all times and have no say in anything. All right. Um, I, I'm going to interject here for a second because some people might not understand what exactly we're going with this. And we're going to look at a, a wise lady from First Samuel uh, chapter 25. This is Abigail. And let's see what Abigail did to save her family and her household. Well, she didn't save everybody, but she saved the rest of the people. So First Samuel, and um, it's the entire chapter, so pause this show, pick up your Bible, and open up First Samuel, verses 25. And this is what a wise woman should do when the husband makes bad, bad decisions. So we see here, this was after Samuel died. I'll be jumping from verse to verse because the chapter is long. I think it's 42 chapters. But let's just, let, let me just give you the background here. 1 Samuel 25. I'm reading from the King James. And Samuel died, and all the Israelites were gathered together and lamented him and buried him in his house at Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. And there was a man in Maon whose possessions were in Carmel. And the man was very great, and he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in, in Carmel. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce it, but you know, I'm pretty sure when you're reading, you will see what I'm talking about. Now, the man's name was Nabal, and the name of his wife was Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and beautiful countenance. But the man was a childish, meaning foolish, and evil in his doing, and he was of the house of Caleb. And David or David, had the wilderness that Nabal did shear his sheep. Anyways, just to jump here, or actually, I'll, I'll read a little bit more so you guys can get the whole context. Verse 5, And David sent out ten young men, and David said unto the young men, Get you up to Carmel, and go to Nabal, and greet him in my name. And thus shall say ye to him that liveth in prosperity, Peace be both to thee, and peace be to thine house, and peace be unto all thy house. And I have heard that thou hast shearers, now that shepherd were with us, we had them not. Neither were these odd missing unto them, all while we were in Carmel. Anyways, the gist of the story here is, David was protecting Nabal's sheep and goats were, his shepherds were shepherding them out in the wilderness. They protected the uh, the shepherds from animals and raiders. And David was on the run from Saul. So he was out in the wilderness and he was hungry, him and his men. So he sent his men to tell Nabal, hey, look, man, we protected your, your sheep and your shepherds while they were in the wilderness. Can you give us something to eat? Well, let's see what Nabal says. So let's go down to verse 9. And when David's men came, they spake to Nabal according to all these words in the name of David, and ceased. And Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David, and who is the son of Jesse? There be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. Shall I take then my bread, and my water, and my flesh that I have killed for my shearers, 
and give it unto men whom I know not whence they be. So David's young men turned their way and went again and told him all those saints. Now this really ticked David, because David was like, wait a minute, I protected these man's ships, didn't I? Okay, let's see what David says. This is uh, verse 13. And David said unto his men, Guard ye on every man's sword. And they guarded on every man's his sword, and David also guarded on his sword. And they went up after David, about 400 men and 200 aboard by the staff. Basically, David was going to go destroying a ball, like literally abolish him and his family. But anyways, one of the young men went ahead and told Abigail and told Abigail's wife and told Nabal's wife. And this is in verse 14. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers out to the wilderness, out of the wilderness to salute our master, and he railed on them. But the men were very good unto us and were not hurt. Neither missed, neither, neither missed we anything as long as we were conversant with them when they were in the fields. They were a wall unto us both by night and day. And all the while we were with them keeping the sheep. Now therefore know and consider what thou wilt thou wilt do. For evil is determined against our master and against all his household. For he is a son of Belial that a man cannot speak to him. Nabal's servants saw what happened or overheard what Nabal said to David's young man and they want Abigail. Abigail being a wise woman and knowing what her husband had done, she didn't even consult her husband. Now, I know this segment is about communication, but if your husband is making erroneous decisions that it's going to cost your family's life, you should act wisely and vice versa. If you're a man and your wife is going to make decisions that are going to cost your family somehow, whatever it is, you should act decisively. So that's why Megan was saying that, you know, it's not always, even if the man is the head of the household and he makes final decisions, it doesn't mean that you sit back there and Take it, because as we are reading, and I encourage you, read First Samuel verses 25. I'm just jumping around here and there to give you the context of the story. So this is what Abigail did, verse 18. Then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves and two bottles and two bottles of wine and five sheep ready dressed and five measures of parched corn and a hundred clusters of raisins and, a, and 200 cakes of figs and laid them on asses. And she said unto her servants, Go on before me. Behold, I come after you. But she told not her husband, Nabal. Of course, he was a fool and she knew this. All right, now let's uh, scroll down. Actually, let's just go ahead and continue to 20. And it was so, as she rode on the ass, that she came down by the covert of the hill. And behold, David and his men came down against her and she, and she met them. Now David had said, Surely in vain I have kept all that this fellow has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that pertained unto him, and that he has requited me evil for good. Let's jump down to verse 23. And when Abigail saw David, she hastened and lifted off the ass, and fell before David on her face, and bowed herself to the ground, and fell at his feet, and said, Upon me, my Lord, upon me, let this iniquity be, and let thine handmaid, I pray thee, speak in thine audience, and hear the words of thine handmaid. Let not my Lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Belial, even Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. 
Nabal is his name, and a folly is with him. But I, thine handman, saw not the young man of my Lord, whom thou didst send. Now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, seeing the Lord has withhold thee from coming to shed blood, and from avenging thyself with thine own hand, now let thine enemies, and they that seek evil to my Lord, be as Nabal. And now this blessing which thine hand has brought unto the Lord, let even be given unto the young men that follow my Lord. I pray thee, forgive the trespass of thine handmaid, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord as a sure house, because my, my Lord fighteth the battles of the Lord, and evil has not been found in thee all thy days. Yet a man is risen to pursue thee, and to seek thee, thy soul. But the soul of thy Lord shall be bound in the bond of life with the Lord thy God, and the soul of thine enemies, them shall he sling out out of the middle of the sling. Anyways, I'm going to stop there. You guys can read the, the rest of the story. But basically what Abigail did was save her entire family besides her husband. Because if you continue reading, you'll see that after David gets the food from Abigail, later on, Nabal is killed by raiders. They come in and they kill just him and nobody else in his household is touched. Just because of this act from Abigail, she was able to be saved because she ended up being David's wife. Now, if Nabal had taken the time to console his wife, be like, hey, I got these dudes claiming that they protected my sheep. What do you think we should do? As a family, Abigail would have been wise enough and because we already see she's, she's wise. And she also calls her wife a fool, just like his name, Belial. <laughs> so if they had communicated with each other, the boy's life would have been saved. Now, this is a, a very good example of it's not always correct that the man has the right decision, but he is the final say in the, in, in the household. But if the decision will put your family in jeopardy, then I beg that you act wisely and pray to the Most High. Any thoughts on that? Yes, I think... The biggest takeaway from it all is, yes, the man is the head of the household and the decision maker, but a dictatorship does not create a happy, healthy marriage. No, it Communication, doesn't. understanding, and listening to your spouse and having conversations, even if they're hard conversations, having conversations is important. You cannot have a healthy marriage without conversations between the husband and the wife. And by conversation, it means having, um, not yelling at each other. No, sitting down and taking turns and listening to each other's perspective. Because in order to have a healthy conversation, you have to listen. You have to actually listen and understand your spouse from their perspective. Not from your perspective or how you feel about it, from their perspective. I, I struggle in that department, the listening department. Oh, Yes. <laughs> I don't do it knowingly. It's, it's not just, intentional. I, I did it in class. I did it in college. I do it at work. It's just uh, one of those things. Um, I mean, if it's a serious conversation, I'm going to sit down and listen. But, but you always you always consult me with decisions that have to deal with our household. You don't just run off and make your own decisions. Maybe I should. Maybe I should go to the casino <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> And blow all our savings, right? I don't, I don't think that's a good choice. I think maybe you should pray to Yah before uh, before uh, making that decision. But I mean, you guys um, beat me in board games all the time, so I 
can't see myself with it. Hey, 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 no. And winning, you know. Just because I'm the board game queen doesn't. Yeah, I just let you win, but, you know, I got to make you happy, right? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Anyways, I'm not going that Steve Harvey route, happy wife. Happy happy life. life. No, it's not happening. (laughs) That's... (laughs) That I think that sets people up for failure because then you have an unhappy husband, right? Yeah. If He's you're always saying working on eggshells. If you're saying happy wife, happy life, that's not really true. Maybe you have a happy wife, but the husband's miserable. Yeah. That's, <laughs> anyways, let's move on to the next segment, intimacy. So intimacy is not just about physical touch, even though I struggle in that department because my spouse over here, my lovely wife, my Isha, she's a physical person. I'm not, I'm the opposite, but you have to take sacrifices to accommodate your spouse. So anyways, let's get back to this. Intimacy is not just about physical touch, <laughs> but also emotional and spiritual intimacy. It's about creating a deep connection with your spouse where you feel safe and loved. In a Yahuwah-guided marriage, intimacy is a way to express love and grow closer to your spouse. Make time for intimacy, both physically and and emotionally, and you'll see a positive impact on your marriage. I would say a very, very important point to know about intimacy is that every spouse has different needs. You can watch as many romantic TV shows as you would like, read as many romance novels as you would like. How to be a man. You can even... Get yourself a marriage counselor to tell you how your spouse feels. But the reality is you need to know your spouse and learn your spouse, learn what their needs are. Just like Rob has stated that I am a very physical touch person and he is not. It took quite a few years in our marriage for him to realize certain things that make me happy or work for me that don't necessarily work for him. Being selfish in a marriage is not a good thing. It will never work out for you. Taking an extra few moments to take a step back and think about what your spouse needs in a situation is important to intimacy. For example, she likes her handheld all the time. And I'm I'm not kidding. <laughs> we'd be sitting in the bed, she wants her held hand. We'd be sitting on the couch, she wants her held hand. Our handheld. But I have to do that consciously. You know, I'm not at that level where it's just automatically. I have to think about it. And I'll be like, oh, you know, she likes her handheld. You know, sometimes I don't want to, but I do it. It's part of learning your spouse, you know. I'm a simple man. I don't need a lot of things. I think it's, most men are simple simple you know, they, at, the, <laughs> at the core. Well, nowadays we, we have a new breed of men. I don't know what they are, but I'm not going to get into that right now. Right. But it's important also to know that men and women div- need different things in when it comes to intimacy, the physical aspect of intimacy, or even the emotional aspect of intimacy, really, a man may not need you to, you know, give them little thoughtful reminders that they look good or they're wearing something nice or you like how they look today. But a woman genuinely, genuine, generally, generally, oh, genuinely, a woman generally likes that. Not all women. Just saying, maybe myself and some women enjoy that. Maybe women need a little extra working up when it comes to sex. And we all know men don't really well, need that. Well, you know, here's the thing with um, with the bedroom stuff. It's always easy. I mean, 
bring a good point. Men don't need a lot, right? But sometimes women be playing games, man. Let's just call it what it is. You wear your underwear, you wear your pants, you wear your jogging pants, you wear yoga pants, and a robe on top. <laughs> you know? <laughs> And then you expect <laughs> you expect a man to do all that work of undressing you just to get you going. You know, it there has to be a compromise, okay? So when you when you're learning who your spouse is, you know, that's why it is important to have a uh, Yahuwah guided marriage because when you both love Yah, it's easy for these things to happen joyfully, and no, neither of the party have to feel like they're doing it as a chore because it could get to that point where. Oh, he always wants in. He w- no. If you truly love your, you're gonna love your spouse as you love yourself, and these things will be easy. Because I can't tell you the number of times I've heard from my friends, their spouse are saying, "Oh, I'm tired. Oh, I had kids all day. I don't feel like doing it." Or my friends are okay without sex for three, four. Five months. Yeah, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't get to that point. The only time that the Bible says you should withhold having bedroom intimacy or sleeping with each other is when you both agree and are in prayer. Besides that, I mean, you're just putting your spouse into a predicament because if they go out there and they're not well rooted in yeah. Why we're thinking about that? Let's go ahead and pull that Bible verse up. All right. Give you a little scripture here to support that. First Corinthians seven verse five: Defraud ye not one the other, except it be with consent for a time, that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. What it means by your incontinency is when you're starved sexually. That's what it's referring right there. Right. It's easy to be tempted when you're sexually tense because you know. It, it, you're starved and you have a spouse that is not abhorring to her duties or his duties and it brings up this uh, fleshly avenue. desires. Yeah. It's an avenue for temptation. And that's why we're saying, you know, you shouldn't come up with, you know, excuses why not to have an activity. Unless you're sick, man. If you're sick, yeah, or you're in it's that time of the month, those are acceptable times to tell or you. Or a medical, a severe medical condition yeah. or something. But if we're talking about you're healthy, you're not on anything that you're not supposed to be doing in the first place. Do your best to accommodate your spouse. I mean, intimacy is not all about the bedroom stuff because as we've seen, Megan likes handheld, being handheld. But Oh, and hugs and kisses and just love. Yeah, love I'm not love. a physical person, so I don't know what she's talking about. But I still <laughs> try, you know. <laughs> I love love. That's what I love. You love love, physical love, she says. So what that verse is really trying to tell us, unless you two are praying and fasting within prayer um, to Yah, and that's something that is agreed upon, then you should not be withholding yourself from your spouse. No excuses. Yeah, no excuses. Now, men, if let's say, for example, your spouse is not willing to engage in these activities, you shouldn't be looking for anything out there. And the reason is why... I point you to Proverbs, Proverbs 5, verses 18 and 19. Let's see what that reads as. Do you want me to read it? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Proverbs 5, verses 18 and 19. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the woman of your youth. Let her be as the loving hind and pleasant roe. Let her breast satisfy you at all times and be you ravished always with her love. You see? That was the wisest man alive. He's telling you, 
be satisfied by the in the wife of the youth. So no matter what's going on in your household and you don't have that intimacy going on, give it time. Talk to your spouse. Work it out. And your marriage will be blessed if you don't step out on your marriage. Now, that's a story for a different day. But anyways, people change over time, you know. But that should not be a reason not to be satisfied with your wife. I mean, sure, she changed physically, you know, if you still love her. The grass is not always green on the other side. I'm telling you this. This can be applied not only when it comes to like in marriage, but in anything in life. The grass is not always green on the other side. I hate the culture today because today I feel like even when I go to the Y in the morning, just walk out, I feel like men are exposed to more temptation than ever before. We got these, um, and I like what Candace Owen is doing. No, not Candace Owen, that's the basketball player. What's her name? Candace, Candace Parker? Parker? No. Candace Owens. Is that, is that, is that her name? On ESPN? No, no, not, not the basketball player. Not Parker Owens, I think. I thought uh, I just said Candace Owens, the one who does talk about. Yeah, she has, a, she has a show. Mm-hmm. And she's got this movement where she's abandoning yoga pants. I, I champion that. Now, I know before you pull up your Twitter fingers, here's the reason. <laughs> misogynistic, whatever. You know, you want to Andrew Tate me? Or, uh, what's his name? Tate? It's Andrew Tate. <laughs> Andrew Tate me, whatever, whatever you want to say. But I feel like men are under more pressure than ever before because we're not only dealing with the changes in the world. Now you have to figure out, if I go out on the gym, you have to be mentally tough not to think or fall into sin by even imagining the slightest thing about someone who's not your spouse. I mean, Yahusha says he magnified the law. You say, when you look at a woman and lust after her in your heart, you've already committed adultery. So imagine how hard that is for a man. He's walking at the gym, minding his own business, and then someone comes half naked. Yeah, it's a free world. We get it. But I feel sorry for us, man, because you have to train yourself to be mentally tough that nothing wavers your faith. And that's why building your relationship in your marriage in Yahuwah is the best thing for your marriage because Yah will protect you from those temptations. It's not easy. But with Yah's strength, you can overcome it. All you have to do is be rooted in His Word, keep His laws and commandments, and run should you see temptation. Like physically run. Remember Joseph? Yeah, he ran and left his court. Even though he ended up in jail, he still ended up saving Israel. So let's all be diligent and build our relationship in Yahuwah. You got something to add to this? Yeah. The more in tune you are with your spouse in your marriage, the easier that will be as well. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So there's more to be said about marriage and we barely scratch the surface. But the long and short of this is this. We're going to read from Ecclesiastes 4 verses 9 through 12. This is the long and short of what marriage is supposed to be. Ecclesiastes 4 Verses 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falls, for he has not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevails against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. In conclusion, 
We should remember to have good communication skills with our spouse, be in tune with them intimately, that be emotionally, physically, and mentally, and also to love. Make sure you are loving your spouse. Yeah, she's emphasizing on the love part. (laughs) I love love. (laughs) Love, love. That's it for today's episode of the 613 Marriage Podcast. We hope you've learned something new about what it means to have a Yahuwah-guided marriage. Remember, love, communication, and intimacy are all crucial in building a strong, fulfilling marriage. And always keep the word of Yahuwah as your foundation. Join us next week for another episode of the 613 Marriage Podcast, where we keep families tethered together through any weather. Shalom.